Um, I'm going to kind of share with you some of the things that are going on in my life. Some of you know and some of you may not know, but uh, we have become foster parents, and we have had our foster children for about uh, two months now. Um, actually, one of them may be three now. Wow. Um, I said two months the first service. <laughs> uh, three months now for one of them, and uh, I love to just walk through life together with them because they're great sermon illustrations. And just like most kids, we can kind of look at us, how our relationship with God is, and we can see kind of where we've gone wrong or, or what we need to do better in. And so we have uh, had to prepare our house for, for this moment. Like when we thought we would... Uh, become foster parents, we, we did a little bit of research and we realized that there's 90 foster kids in Van Zant County and only 11 homes. And the biggest concern in the foster care system is sibling groups. They would like to keep them together so they're not separated in other homes and feel isolated uh, from, from their uh, brothers and sisters. And so uh, we started looking at our house and we had to close in our garage because our rooms, um, you can, through the state of Texas, you are only allowed to have uh, a kid in the room if there's 40 square feet for him to live in or her. And so that's including biological kids. And so my two boys shared a room, which was a 10 by 10 room. And so it's a hundred square feet and only two uh, can be in that room. Well, our two boys were there. And so we couldn't add one to their room. And we go to Kiara, who's my daughter, and we look at her room and it's about a 10 by 10, maybe a little bigger. And so there's only one in that room, and so it kind of narrows down to only one. But knowing that the system itself needs sibling groups, we didn't want to just provide one room. So we had to close in our garage, and we decided to close in our garage. That would give us enough space to allow children of, of three. We figured we could do three sibling groups. And so uh, it was a long process of getting the garage closed. And we had many people come from the church, give money, give clothing, give furniture, give uh, bedding, give uh, their time there. Some came and gave uh, their resources and, and closed in our garage. We had to spend money on top of that too to, to get it how uh, it needed to be. And that's just the process we, we had to go through to prepare a place for these children to have a room. And we have three now. One's eight, one's six, and one's four. And the four-year-old cracks us up. And if you've had a chance to meet him, you would understand why. This kid is very like just outgoing sometimes and he makes you laugh, but I mean, he can make you want to scream too. I mean, it's just that, that polar opposite of, of having a good day, having a bad day. Well, the very first time uh, we had him here, had him, uh, he was our first one there. He came first before the other two sisters got there. And it was a good time because we were able to love on him and kind of walk through just the daily process with him. And this is our first time doing it. So we're kind of kind of new at it too. Not new at parenting, obviously, but new at trying to raise other people's kids, right? And so we, uh, we woke him up. I woke him up one day and said, what do you want for breakfast? And I'm clueless because, you know, my kids already know what we have at the house because they've lived with us for so long. He has no clue. So he kind of looks up and you can see him thinking and he's like, I want peanut butter and jelly. Okay, well, we don't eat peanut butter and jelly for, for breakfast. That's a lunch thing. So you can have oatmeal, you can have honey bunches of uh, oats, you can have Cheerios, you can have kicks, you can have toast, you can have fruit. So, so what is it that you want for breakfast? 
mm, how about peanut butter and jelly? No, <laughs> no, 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 no. I gave you some options. I need you to choose one of these options. Mm, peanut butter and jelly. No, 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 no. And you see this little kid that knows what he wants, right? And he's resilient in trying to get what he wants. And I look at this passage today and I think, wow, that's us. We're going to see a fantastic and just kind of draw the line in the sand I am statement here. And you either agree with it or you don't. And a lot of times we're just like this little kid. God says, all right, this is what I want you to do today. How about peanut butter and jelly, God? No, no, you're not going to get peanut butter and jelly today. I want, I want you to do this. Mm, how about jelly and peanut butter? No, same thing, same thing. I want, I want you to do this. How about peanut butter now and jelly later? I mean, we're good at trying to just skirt around God's way and try to make our own way. And so I look at this situation at home, and there's times that we cry together, we laugh together, and there's times that, that they want to go home. They want to go back, and I think that's us too. A lot of times we're walking through with God and we say, man, I just want to go back to the way it used to be. And we slide right back into this old sinful patterns we always done. And so with that, I want us to look through this passage in the eyes of a child, because that's who we are. We are God's sons and daughters. And so let's pray. We're going to start in John 14 in just a little bit. God, I thank you for today. God, I thank you for your son. I thank you for coming and living on this earth and showing us you, Father. God, I thank you for providing a way that we can have a relationship with you. And God, forgive us where we think we know better. God, forgive us to think that we, our ways are higher than yours because they're not. Your thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Your ways are higher than our ways. And God, teach us today. Help us to know that you are with us. Thank you for being such a good father. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So we start today in John 14, and he starts out and he says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. And the Jew of the day had no problem with the middle part of that. Believe in God. This is something that they grew up in, that they constantly knew. Uh, they would go to the religious uh, rituals, they would go to the synagogue, and they would hear about God. They'd be taught from a very young age about God. They would be taught about all the stories of the Old Testament, about God providing God, God showing them God, removing them out of a situation and putting them in the promised land. And they had no problem believing in God. What they had a problem with was this last part, believe also in me, Jesus, who equates himself to God. And today, if we're real honest, sometimes we have a hard time believing that. Like we grew up, if we grow up in church, we believe in God. We believe he's, he's there, he's in control of things, he creates us, but we have a hard time following Jesus. We have a hard time denying ourselves, taking up our cross and following him. Because this is a daily process. We think we can come to church and learn about God and then we'll do our own thing out, out, in, out in our daily lives. And this is the same problem we deal with today. And Jesus says, let not your hearts be troubled. 
And I want you to see the picture where they are. He's in the middle of, of talking with his disciples, his followers, for three years. They had just had this amazing experience with Jesus. They just had the Lord's Supper. He equated himself to the, to the lamb who provided salvation through his blood from the death angel. And not only that, he's talked to Judas Iscariot and said, hey, you're going to betray me. Go and do it. And these, the disciples are like, who's it going to be? Is it going to be me? Is it going to be me? And you can see this kind of conflict pulling up. And then he, he washes their feet. And Peter says, you're not going to wash my feet, Lord. And he goes, if I don't wash your feet, you have nothing to do with me. He said, okay, wash all of me. And he gets caught up in this moment of this spiritual high where, where we've been, where you stand up and you say, I want to do everything for Jesus. And then you walk outside and life hits you. And he's getting caught up in this moment. So much so, Jesus says, okay, I'm about to leave and I want you to love one another. And that's how people will know you're my disciple is if you love one another. Not only that, Peter says, okay, Lord, just like Peter does, he kind of spews words before he thinks. You've ever met that, that person? He spews the word, Lord, I'm going to follow you and I'm going to lay down my life for you wherever you go. And, and Jesus says, Peter, I'm going to tell you something. Before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. They just had this awesome moment when they found out that one disciple is going to betray. Peter, their leader, is going to deny Christ three times, and these disciples are troubled. Their hearts are troubled. And he says, let not your hearts be troubled at that moment. And we've all been there. We've all been there. Whether you follow Christ or not, you know life is hard. You know life kicks you in the face sometimes, and your hearts are troubled. For those that follow Christ, you know it gets even more difficult because you need to follow Christ. You need to be the example, and we continually fail him. We continually want to do the things we want to do, even though we claim to follow Christ, and our hearts are troubled because we have to seek forgiveness again. And Jesus says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in me. Believe in God. Believe also in me. And this is the picture that we see before he goes and he, go, he just lays out this I am statement and what we do with that statement afterwards. And he says, don't let your hearts be troubled. In fact, here's why. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have not told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. I will take you to myself that where I am, you may also be. And you know the way to where I'm going. And he says, hey, believe in me. Believe in God. Believe in me. Don't let your hearts be troubled because here's why. I have a place for you. And I want to, to get out of our American thinking of a mansion because some translations put mansion there. And in our way of thinking, we think, well, God's going to go and prepare this mansion for us and it's going to have this enclosed gate around it, Right? We're going to have rooms we don't know what to do with. And I'm going to live by myself in heaven, huge mansion, because I've done so many things for God. And that's not the picture he's going for here. He says, in my father's house are many rooms, and I'm going to go prepare them for you. 
it looks a lot like what we did for our foster children. That he takes time, he finds a room, he prepares it so that you can find rest, so that you can live in God's home. It's not your home. It's God's home, and you get to be a part of it. That's, that's the biggest community group ever is what heaven is. We get to live together with God. We get to eat with God. We get to play board games with God. We get to cry with God. We get to laugh with God. That's what we do with our foster kids. There are many times that we live with our foster kids and our own children. And that's the picture that God has here, that he has prepared a place for you and me, if we believe in him, that we can spend eternity with him. He says, and you know the way I'm going. Now Thomas pops up, just like probably we would, and say, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? God, we just woke up yesterday, and you said we're going to Jerusalem. We didn't know where you were going until you told us. You tell us to go to Bethlehem, we follow you. You tell us to go to Nazareth, we follow you. you the people came to you and said, hey, Lazarus is dying. And you said, hey, let's stay here. We stayed here. In a couple days, we said, okay. You said, okay, let's go to Lazarus. We followed you to Lazarus' house. We don't know where you're going. You have to tell us. And then he comes to this I am statement. And he takes it from the physical to, to, to tell Thomas, no, no. Remember, I'm talking about God preparing a place for us. And he says, Jesus said to him, I am the way, I'm the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. And Jesus in two verses says, I am the way and I am God. Because you've seen me, you've seen God. And the reason why I can be the way is because I'm God. And I have to take it back to the very beginning of time, creation, right? This is where humans messed up and we've struggled ever since. God prepares this paradise. He prepares creation. He puts Adam in the middle of it. Realizes, Adam, it's not good for you to be alone, so he creates Eve, community, and he says, I'm going to have the perfect relationship with you. And they do. They have the perfect relationship with God. They have the perfect relationship with each other. They are provided everything for. They have life. And God says, in order to stay in the garden, don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And if you do, you'll die. This is my way. Don't do it any other way. This is my truth. This is what will happen and you will have life. In comes the serpent, Satan. So good. And he says, did God really say that? Because really what will happen is if you take a bite, your eyes will be open and you'll be like God. Knowing the difference between good and evil. So what happens? Eve sees that it's desirable, that it's, that it's good for food, and she sees they'll be like God. And Adam and Eve, they take it, and they exchange God's way for their own. They think they, they know better. They exchange God's truth for a lie. And they exchange God's life for death. Death enters the picture. Sin enters the picture. And we struggle with that all the time. 
We struggle with wanting to do things our way. God, I get you. I get you that you say that, that you're the way, the truth, and the life. But God, I really don't understand that. How can a loving God not accept other people that when they have religions over here, the Muslim that, that lives his faith faithfully, that, that the Buddhist that lives his faith faithfully, the, the, the Mormon, the, the person that doesn't really believe in God but leads in a higher power and is good to others, the good person that does everything for others. I just don't understand it, God. How could you not allow them into your kingdom? God says, because I'm God, I've set up a way and I want you to believe it. This is the only way, is through Jesus. And then Philip says to him, Lord, show us the Father and it's enough for us. Jesus walked with his disciples for three years and he says, okay, show us God. I'll be good, right? Have you been there? God, just... Show me a sign. Show me a sign and I'm good. God, just show up. Sit down and talk with me for a little while. I have a friend that grew up in a very religious background. And he hopped from religion to religion to religion. And he finally came to the what he thinks is the realization of if God is real, he'll show up. And then I'll believe in him. It's the same argument, same thing that, that Philip said here. God, show up. Show us the Father. And Jesus, you can just see, you can feel his frustration and his kind of his sigh when he says, have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? I've walked with you for three years. Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you do not speak, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on the account of the works themselves. And we say this, God, just show up. Just show up. And Jesus said, I did. 2,000 years ago, I did. It's written. It's in this book. If you would read it, you would see God. If you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you read the red letters, it's the very words of God because it was Jesus. If you want to see God's miracle, read about Jesus' miracle. And believe me, I know it's difficult. I mean, these people walked with God for three years, and they still questioned. And we have no hope, right? We have no hope. And Jesus says, read this. I had a friend that asked me, texted me later on, or earlier this week that said, what ignites your, your passion for God? What, what, what kind of gets you going? Maybe when you hit a ceiling. And I can tell you that I texted it first and I said, well, it's hearing other people's stories, seeing what God does in individual lives so that I can realize I'm, I'm part of a bigger picture to see miracles happen, little or small, to know that God is there, to remember what he's kind of done in my life. But then when I think about it, when I get into this rut of what do I read, what do I read, what do I read, I always go back to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and I read about Jesus. Because then I can see God. I know God, and he knows me. And Jesus is the perfect picture because he is God. 
And you get to see God in a whole new light when you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then he says, okay, so I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So there's two types of people. You either believe it or you don't. Believe that you got a better way, and I, I, I pray for you. You believe that, that Jesus is real, and, and you grasp onto that, and you accept it, and you, and you move on. So what do we do now? Well, the good thing is Jesus continues. And he says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me, so this is talking about the followers of him, believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do because I'm going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do. And the Father will may be glorified in his Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. And we love verse 14. We love verse 14. God, give me that promotion in Jesus' name. God, give me that new car in Jesus' name. We love to throw out Jesus' name. But the problem is, is we miss verses 12 and 13. He says, if you believe me, you'll do my works. Not only that, you'll do greater works. How are you doing at the works of Jesus? Like, how are you doing at loving people? How are you doing at sharing your resources at this time of year? How are you doing at teaching other people? Because Jesus did that. How are you doing at living in community? Jesus lived with 12 stinky fishermen for three years. How are you doing at living with other people? How are you doing at giving yourself, denying yourself, taking up your cross and following him? Because that's what Jesus did. That was the works he did. And he says, if you believe in me, you'll do my works. And then whatever you ask in my name, as long as it glorifies God. Right? We're always about glorifying ourselves. Right? God, give me that promotion. Yes, I got it. And then you never talk about God. Because, hey, that would be weird. Go into your employer and say, hey, thanks for, the, thanks for the promotion. By the way, God did that. Okay. How are we at glorifying God through our prayers? Because guess what? If you're asking for yourself and not doing works, not glorifying God, you may be praying for a while. Because God's about glorifying his name and his name alone. And just in case we miss that one, okay, just in case as, as humans, I know we're kind of stubborn, right? He says again, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Okay, if you believe in me, you'll do my works. Let's, let's take it down a little more. If you say you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper because you... He already knows we're not good at keeping his commandments. So he provides a helper, the spirit, to be with us forever. Spirit just doesn't come at salvation. Spirit doesn't come when you need him. He is with you forever. So when we're driving in the car, someone cuts us off, and we decide to flip somebody off, spirit's with you. <laughs> Think about that one. You go home, you're upset from work, and you take it out on your kids, the Spirit's with you. You have conversation with your spouse, and it does not go the way you want it to, and you regret things, the Spirit is with you. You go to work, you get into those little locker room conversations, the Spirit's with you. 
forever. The Spirit is with you. The reason why the Spirit's with you is because if you go to work, Jesus is going to work with you. If you go to school, Jesus is going to the school. It's because he lives in us. He says, and I will be in you. I will dwell with you. Not only does he go and prepare a place for us, he comes and lives with us. How are we at keeping his commandments? Jesus said, let's not talk about the Ten Commandments because it's a bunch of rules, right? Jesus says it's all summed up in two things. One, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. How are you doing? Because if you're honest, if, you're, if I'm honest, I fail at loving God with all my soul, all my heart, all my strength, and all my mind. Is that what it says there? And he says the second is, is, is equal to this. Love your neighbor. How are you at loving people? Not just your family members that are easy to love. Not just your friends that you get along with. But the people at work that stole the promotion. The people at work that threw you under the bus. How are you at loving people? And how are you at loving yourself? Because we kind of forget about that one, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Not this arrogant, prideful type of love saying, I, I'm good. But how are you at loving yourself the way that God made you? Do you compare yourself? Or do you love the way that God created you? He spent nine months on you. Do you love yourself the way God loves you? How are we at keeping his last thing that he told his followers? Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them all that I've commanded you, and I am with you even to the end of the age. How are we doing at that? Because it's not just a call for pastors. He said that to his followers, to his disciples. Hey, you've walked with me for three years, now go. And you do the same thing. How are we doing at that? How are you doing at that? Because if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Guess what? You accepted him. You believe that he's the way, the truth, and the life. Great. He's going to prepare a place for you. But he's not going to leave you on earth without a home. He's not going to leave you as orphans, strain without a home, without shelter. In fact, he follows it up here. Yet a little while, and the, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live, <laughs> because I get raised from the dead, you also will live. And in that day, you know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. How does he not leave, leave us as orphans? Because he comes and lives with us. I can guarantee you it's been a struggle <laughs> for the foster children. It has been hard for them. I can guarantee you it's been difficult for me and my wife, and my kids. But I wouldn't change it. We've cried together. We've laughed together. I've gotten upset, right? But they live with me. I get to know them. Same idea. He doesn't leave us as orphans. He comes and lives with us. He gets to know us, and we get to know him. Here's a third time. 
Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. Again, if you know what you're supposed to do and do it, you're proving that you love Jesus. How do they know that you're my disciple? Because you love one another. And he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. I will make myself known fully because we live together. <laughs> Have you ever done that? You got married after you thought you found the one and then you live about two months, you're like, wow, didn't see that coming. <laughs> the funny thing is, is Jesus knows us fully and yet he still decides to live with us. And he shows himself to us daily. You can't just come here and get to know God. You need to go and experience it daily at your home. Judas, here comes another disciple. I mean, we're not getting a good picture of the disciples here. Judas, not Iscariot, because he's already gone and betrayed him, right? Said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? How in the world are you going to manifest yourself? Why would you? I ask myself that pretty much daily. God, why'd you choose me? I'm stubborn. I'm not always there. <laughs> you tell me to do something, I do the exact opposite. Why in the world do you choose me? Why in the world did he choose you? He goes on to say, Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, fourth time, just in case our thick skulls didn't get it, right? If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my father will love him because that's the proof that we love Jesus. And we will come to him. We will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the father's who sent me. He said, this is what God asks us to do. If you believe me, keep my commandments. If you love me, do my works. And if you do, that's proof that you love me, that you follow me, that you're my disciple. And if you do that, we will come and dwell with you. And we get to know God fully, daily. This isn't just something that we get saved from hell alone, eternal separation from God. Yes, that is amazing. But we get to walk with Jesus daily. We get to know him more every day and we fall short and hope, thank goodness of my salvation. And we choose a very shallow, shallow life with Jesus because we decide not to get to know him. Jesus wants so much more, so much more. And he wants to fully manifest himself to you. I'm gonna give you an illustration to kind of end this. If I invited you over to my house for dinner tonight so you can meet my new family, right? All eight of us. I'd say, okay, six o'clock, you come. 612 Laurel Drive. Don't toilet paper my house since I just threw out my address. Come at six o'clock, we're gonna have dinner together. Don't bring anything, I'll provide it all. And when you get there, my son will be waiting for you. And you drive up, Ethan's out there, just like the obedient child that he is, right? 
And he says, okay, if you come down this sidewalk, I know it's a little narrow. You can't all walk on it together, like all lined out. But if you walk this sidewalk and go right around here, it's the front door. And you can go in and you can have dinner. And you look at Ethan, okay, yeah, I see the pathway. I don't see the door. I guess I just got to trust him because he came from there, right? But I think I really want to go in the back door. I'm going to go through this gate over here. And Ethan says, whoa, 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 whoa. Trust me, you don't want to go that way. It's muddy. You'll track in mud. My mom won't be very happy. Right? If you go back there, we have dogs. They might bite your ankles off. Right? There's consequences if you go this way. Believe me, there's consequences. You get to the back door, it may be locked. I can't promise it'll be open. And if not, you may have to break through it. And if you break through it, my dad may not like that. Okay, 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 I got you. Well, what about if I crawl through that window right over there? Well, again, you got to walk on the mud. You've got to climb through the flower beds. I know my mom won't like that. And the window is locked. I know that. And so you'll have to break through it. You may cut yourself and bleed to death, right? But even if you get through... My dad's not going to like it, and I cannot tell you that there won't be a consequence. Maybe cops coming by because you broke into our house. It's not going to work that way. Trust me. I came from the front door. I want you to follow me. This is what I want you to do. Finally, you, okay, okay, I get it. I won't go that way. I'll follow you. You start following, what happens? Your kid goes around the back because he heard there's dogs, he wants to see them. Your wife goes to the flower bed, because she likes flowers too. And you look to my son and say, hey, hey, my wife's going this way. My, my son, my kid's going around the back. Hey, can you get them real quick? And he says, no, that's your job. You followed me. Now you need to get them. Be imitators of me. Follow me, and you have a job to do. And that's lead those others around you to the way. Don't let them go that way. You won't like the consequence. Don't let them go around the back. You won't like the consequence. I'm sorry. God's God. He's holy, he's perfect, and he loves us. He's provided the way. Now, it's our job to show other people. It is our job to say, I know the way. Don't put him in your pocket. How selfish of us. This is the season that we celebrate the birth of our Savior. How selfish of us to look inward and not outward. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And if you love one another, that's the way people will know you're my disciple. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Father, I thank you for not only being God and perfect and not leaving us as orphans, Father, for allowing us to come before you as holy because of what you've done. 
God, I ask that you help us not to be selfish with what we've been given. That you left heaven. You know the, the way. And yet we have the nerve out of all creation to say no. God, you, you created the tides to do something. You created the tree to grow. You created the animals to act like they do. And they do it obediently. And you create us and we have the nerve to say no, Father. God, forgive us. Forgive us where we think we know better. Your thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Your ways are higher than our ways. And God, I ask that you just help us to trust and trust solely in you and be imitators so that other people can see the way, Father. God, I thank you for this time. I thank you for your son. I thank you for Christmas and what it means. And I ask that you help us to keep our eyes fixed solely on you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.